started with you the first time. There's something about it that uh, it talks about God's judgment. And as you read this book, do you ever notice that uh, it's similar to the type of world that we live today? God delivered us from the kingdom of darkness into his wonderful kingdom of light. And from the time that we are delivered, our life is just like the life of the children of Israel. They were in bondage in Egypt. And it pleased the Lord to deliver them. A lot of us have been in bondage in Egypt. Whatever lifestyle we have been living, maybe you are living pure lifestyle, but we don't know our left from our right. We've been in bondage in Egypt. Some of us, we don't attend Bible studies like this. We don't have uh, the instinct of the Word of God like we have the Word of God on our fingertips. It's a type of bondage. Some of us are churchgoers. We do not know the Bible is only what the priests come and we go and talk about forgiveness of sin. It's exactly the lifestyle of the children of Israel, but it pleased God. God is merciful. God is great. He pleased him to deliver us. I said, it's too much of this horrible lifestyle that you are living. Some of us, a day like this, we don't come to church. We only come on Sunday, and some Sundays you don't come. You know, it's deliverance. It takes someone that is delivered to know that I have to come and seek the Lord and search the Bible. Some, they just go out with friends. Some is only gossip throughout. But the only thing we are discussing is the gospel. So we want to thank God for our lives. So the children of Israel, they were like our own time. After God delivered them, you know, they passed through the time of wilderness. We, some of us, passed through. And then in the wilderness, they grumbled. Even the, the sin of their forefathers, they begin to replicate it. And you can see Jeremiah, God sent Jeremiah on this uh, great task. Like a lot of us, we have a calling upon our lives. Even before we were born in our mother's womb, we might not have been told. But when you get to the church like this, Christ the Tabernacle, then you will know. You begin, the, 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 the man of God in the house, God through the man of God, begin to tell you that, look, you are not just an empty barrel that makes noises up and down. You are, there, is a, there is a knowing concerning you. Before you are conceived in your mother's womb, then the man of God begins to use the scripture to describe to us. So we too will know that even from that time, you cannot be seated here tonight if God doesn't have a plan for your life. And the man of God begins to remove scales from our eyes, then we begin to know and want to know how we can live this life and satisfy God only. So our life is just like this. But after a while, when God settled the children of Israel, it got to a time that they got to part of the... And they said, we have big garlic in Egypt. Why did you bring us to this offering here? It's better for us to be eating our garlic. It's better for... If you read their life, they're full of complaint and grumbling. But yet, his steadfast love never ceased. He still continued to encourage them. He was leading them and doing all these things. They got to another place where you get to Jeremiah. God now sent Jeremiah and said, look... I prepared you for such a time as this to go and uh, talk to my people because there is a judgment that is going to come upon my people because they keep on sinning and expecting grace to abound. And that is the church of God today. People continue to sin. People continue to do what they like. People just come to church. I don't care attitude. People get late to church. People just say, when is the man of God going to finish this uh, ministration? Uh, when it's about 8.30, and uh, when it's about 9.30, I'll be there. 9.30, church is closed. Then they miss out. It's the same lifestyle that we were living at that time. And God sent Jeremiah on this difficult task. Like a lot of us have this great calling upon our life. It's a difficult task sometimes. 
To raise people in this generation is a difficult task. Generation where people disobey their parents more, it has been in the ancient times. Generation where people just do what they like. Generation where people just turn their head down and use their two legs and then be walking with their head. And that is what they want to believe to do. Generation where people, you know, I don't know how to place it. And people just disobey God and were doing what they like, even in that, at that time. And God sent Jeremiah and said, look, I'm sending you down to this generation. Go and tell them. And I'm giving you a difficult task, a great assignment. You have to pull down and you have to do what again? Pull down and uphold. You are uproot. It's a difficult... Eh? Yes, uproot. You understand? It's a difficult task. Do you know how to... If the, if he's talking to one of the uh, um, uh, commentary I was reading. He talks about... That Jeremiah was talking about agriculture and construction. Do you know that it's very easy to pull down a house? But to build it is difficult. So when you approach like that, you must really make sure that you are building again. So how do you approach somebody that is stiff-necked? He said he will give us the heart of uh, flesh instead of the heart of stone. How do you approach that stony heart from that person? And the Bible says the word of God is like hammer. So by the grace of God upon our lives, we can then use this word of God as hammer to be hammering. To be hammering. Amen. So, and that is what God sent Jeremiah. Then we sin again. God will tell Jeremiah, this is what you have to go and tell the people. My judgment is coming. He used uh, the things like uh, boiling a pot. That his judgment is coming. And uh, for, for his judge, the way his judgment is going to come upon the people. And Jeremiah have to go and tell them. Okay, you know, now God sent us to even go and tell people that judgment is coming. We use style. He said, God is coming soon. He's coming to judge the people. He's coming to judge the world. He's coming to even to go and preach it outside there. It's difficult for some of us. We can't carry a microphone and be saying it. Some will be shying away from me. But that is the message. The same message God sent Jeremiah. It's what he sent us. So go and tell them, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I'm going to deal with everybody according to the way they have replicated me upon this earth. And yet people continue to do what they like to do. And that's one of the things that when I, when I, as I started reading, I know I started with you. When I begin to think about the judgment that is really coming upon the people, you know, I, I just say, Lord, help me so that I'll not be partaker of this judgment. Because if we are not too, if, if we are, if we are not very, we are not very careful, we just be living our lives. And those little, little mistakes, they'll be piling up. They'll be piling up. When Jesus comes, <laughs> May the teachers not be the people that will remain in the class. You know, because he said he's going to judge us that teach first. He's going to talk, judge us, those who do, I call ourselves so-called Christian. We are in every prayer meeting, you are there. When Jesus will come, maybe you have come to, to de- de- demonstrate in the prayer meeting as you used to come, but not genuinely from your heart. Other people have gone. Then you'll be the one telling people, may we not be in Jesus' name. Amen. Ah, Jesus has come. This is how it's going to be. The serious one that we think they are very serious and they are serving God, but maybe on the other side of a part of their life, they are serving idols. Depends on what you call these idols. When Jesus comes, he's not going to take such people. They're busy destroying the church, busy destroying members, they're busy knifing and murdering and doing a lot of things behind the church. May that not be our portion. Amen. 
And from that beginning of Jeremiah, he said, God's judgment on Judah. And as I know that as God has sent Jeremiah to go and pronounce God's judgment on Judah, he's also sent us to go and pronounce his judgment. I read this to us the other time, but I want us to come back to it. Introduction to the book of Jeremiah. You can write as any point that comes to you. The book of Jeremiah is titled After the Author. Like you have Ruth, you have Esther, you have all these other people. It is titled after its author. Some might tell you, okay, you have been treating Jeremiah. Tell me about Jeremiah. The first thing that should come from you is that it's titled after its, its author. The book records the ministry and personal life of the prophet in greater depth and detail, in greater depth and detail than any other Old Testament prophet, except perhaps Moses. You can see similarity when Moses was called to go and talk to the people. He said that he said, you know, something like that, that he can't speak. The same thing, you can see similar experience with uh, uh, Jeremiah here. He said, Jeremiah was saying, I'm a youth. I don't think I can. You know, I've been able to clarify this from Apostle. When Jeremiah was called, he was in his 17. He was in his teen age, so that we could nullify the other age. You know, because I'd, I've not been able to meet you. It was when he gets into his 20th, going to 40, and that he started the work now, began so greatly. Jeremiah devotedly served the Lord who called him, but he experienced deep emotional conflict as God set before him one difficult task after another. So are you experiencing difficult conflicts or, uh, in, the, in the assignment that God has given to you? This will encourage you that people like Jeremiah went through it all. They experienced it, but yet they still did the work. Let us not let any little things happen to us. No, no, I'm, I'm leaving that church. No, I'm leaving that church. No, 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 no. When you get to another church, we meet the same thing. That's right. You meet the same thing. He's going to talk to you the same thing and say, Yeah, it's not that. That's it. That was rude to me. No. These are, we are not asked to come to church to fight each other. If by adventure you are going through emotional time now, just know that Jeremiah was devoted, Jeremiah devotedly served God in his time. Look at people like Jeremiah. The conflict that they get from the people did not, make, did not give them any setback. And that's why we are here. We are not just reading this book as storytelling. Story, uh, story, uh, story we are here because we want to demonstrate, we want to go through as well, we want to learn from people that have gone ahead of us. And it shall be well with us. Amen. He suffered not only resistance to his ministry and persecution by God's own people, by God's own persecution. Because you must read it so that you can be able to know how we will also follow God. In following God, it's not easy. The songwriter said, It's not an easy road. We are journeying to heaven with many other storms on the way. It's not an easy road, but my Jesus is pleading. His presence gives us joy every day. Oh no, it's not an easy road. Oh no, it's not an easy road. But Jesus walks beside us and brightens the journey and lifts our heavy burden each day. 
So it's not very easy. To serve God is not easy. Some people might tell it's very easy. Not go to church. Say amen. No, 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 it's not very easy. People will envy you. People will jealous you in church. People will do a lot of things. But if Jeremiah went through it and he still fulfilled his assignment, we will go through it and we will fulfill our assignment. In Jesus' name. He said he suffered not only resistance to his ministry and persecution by God's own people, but he also witnessed the downfall of Jerusalem and the temple. Jeremiah was born into a priestly family of Hikaya, although no evidence to suggest that he himself was a priest. But he was born like a lot of us. Our fathers are pastors, elders, deacons, deaconesses, our parents are. You know, same way Jeremiah was, born, Jeremiah was born into a priestly family. He was unique among the writing prophets in that he was commanded to marry and produce offspring because of the impending judgment on the nation. You can write that down. We are going to meet, I come across this, Jeremiah chapter 16, 1 to 4. You can read ahead so I can be able to know that in your, in your mind by the time we get there. The faithful scribe, uh, Baruch, recorded the words of the prophet, Jeremiah 36, verse 4. If you want to write about the scribe that wrote about all what we are reading today, I, I join him with Jeremiah and accompanied him in Egypt, Jeremiah 43, 6 to 7. He was one of the most dedicated prophets in his time. The word dedicated, if Jeremiah can be dedicated in his time, when God was pronouncing judgment, 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 and everything, you know, the people are stubborn and stiff-necked. That's why. If he was dedicated, he will be dedicated as well in Jesus' name. He will his time in Judah, the southern kingdom. He prophesied from 627 to 570 BC. These are need to know. Under Judah's last king, Josiah, Jehoaz, Joachim, Joachim, and Zedekiah. He prophesied with Saphaniah and Habakkuk in Judah and Ezekiel. He was nicknamed the weeping prophet. Don't forget about this. He wrote Lamentation as well. After Jeremiah, will go to Lamentation. He was nicknamed the uh, weeping prophet. Anything that happened, Jeremiah would cry. You know, any small thing, you know, like... Uh, and one, one thing that you see in this Jeremiah as well is a husband and wife husband offend wife, wife offend husband and all this kind of thing. We are going to read it when we get to some of these chapters. And what happened? A lot of women when it's not, they are crying, crying baby. I hope we don't have them here. Any small discreet husband I don't understand. I don't know. So Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah when he sees any little thing, he's crying. Crying prophet. Instead of certain things that he will cry, although he will sort it out later. So there's a very big assignment. That's why sometimes when the big one faces him, he cries. Because of his lamentation over the faith of Judah. He was one of the few prophets who witnessed the fulfillment of their prophecies. Psalm 139, 13 to 18 is a, is a scripture that we should know. Because these are some of the words that was used to encourage Jeremiah at the beginning of uh, his ministry. Right from the time you were conceived in your mother's womb. I have known you. God has known us right from the time that we are conceived in our mother's womb. That will be here studying Bible now. We'll be one of the leaders in Christ's life, but it was not revealed to us. But this book, the chapters of the book of our life, were now, they will now start to 
uh, be open unto us and we begin to see them. That's why we must not take uh, the, day, uh, the day of beginning for, for granted, little. Eh? Humble beginning, yeah, don't take it for granted at all. When you start, you know, coming to a church that believe in reading the Bible like this, joining the people to read the Bible, don't take it for granted. Make sure that you take it seriously. Joshua said, as for me and my house, the Lord shall we serve. Make sure that it's not only me, 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 me thing, or me and my, myself and my husband thing, but the whole family must serve the Lord. Amen. And it shall be well with us. So Moses experienced a similar sense of inadequacy, which is Exodus 3, 11, then Exodus chapter 4, 10 to 13. Jeremiah's ministry. You can see that you can write because I'm just reading the introduction that I've read to you before, but just to familiarize ourselves before we go today. Jeremiah ministry, uh, Jeremiah 1, chapter 9, verse 9 and 10. Then we, when you look at the call of Jeremiah, in that Jeremiah 1, 1 to 19, God has a plan for our lives, even before we were born or conceived in our mother's womb. His plan is to give us a hope and a word and a future, and you can see that in Jeremiah 29, 11. God knew and foreknew Jeremiah before he was born, like any one of us. In his assignment, he was to what was he supposed to do in the assignment that God has given to, to him? As every one of us has various assignments. You must know the call of God upon your life. You must know the reason they just call you today, they ordain you into dickiness. You don't know the reason why you ordain into dickiness. It's not for you to come and strive and say that you know how to do better than another. They call you today and they, they ordain you to be an elder. It's not for you to strive. They ordain you today and they appointed you a pastor an apostle, an evangelist. It's not for you to strive. It's for you to now sit down and say, Lord, why am I called? Why am I ordained into this position? Today they ordain people maybe to make them now to be bossing people. No, that is not what ordination is for. Ordination is for you to be able to know the purpose of your assignment. What is the purpose of my assignment? As a deacon, we don't see in Bible study. Hey, I'm just ordinary deacon. Ah, you call yourself ordinary, then you're ordinary. Because you don't know the purpose of your assignment. Hey, the mountain kind of pastor, they don't use me on the pulpit. No, that's not the purpose of your ordination. There are pastors that are administrators. You administer the church. You, you are the Moses and the, uh, uh, the Aaron's and the Oz. You carry up the hands of the man of God. Look at areas where you can help. If it's to do many uh, things in the church, look at areas you can help. You understand what I'm saying? You must know the purpose of the... Then we have to... The, the, the main thing that crowns it is for us to go out there and preach. We must preach to the people. We must live a lifestyle to reflect Jesus at all times. We are flesh and blood. We make mistakes. But our lifestyle must move people to wanting to serve God and loving God all the time. And Jeremiah here initially said... Uh, uh, he, he said God knew and foreknew Jeremiah before he was born. Like any, any one of us, in his assignment, he was to, look at it, to give him the spiritual knowledge for his physical mandate. So there are physical mandates that God has in stock for us. We need spiritual knowledge to, 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 that we affect that mandate so that we can be able to uh, uh, stand firm in the area of our calling. And he said, if we can be faithful as he, was call, uh, as he who called us is faithful... And patiently serve, and patiently serve him until he reveals a mandate or assignment to us, 
then he will fulfill his plan and purpose for our life. This is the God that we serve. You are coming to church every day, you are serving, prayer meeting, you are there in the church, you are ushering, in the church you are doing this. God is looking at you. He's moving you to that area of your calling. He didn't call you only to that side. He's called you for more things. You are listening to the message. You are reflecting him through your characters, through your way of life and everything. And people will see you say, what church do you go to? By that you are willing so to come to church as well. You are reflecting God. Jeremiah, he doesn't even know all these uh, mandates upon his life. He just felt, I'm in this world for, uh, to be born in the house of a priest. No. God has a plan for his life. As God has a plan for our life. When we leave this place today, you want to tell God, I want to know the call of God, more about the call of God upon my life. This assignment I've given to me is not only for you to be that director in your office or the CEO of your office. That's not the reason why God has called you. It's not only for you to be having promotion and coming to check, give testimony. Eh, they've just promoted me about four ladder. No, 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 no. But what are you doing for God? God? God is playing his own part in your life. But what role are you playing in the, in, in, in the position that God has placed you? He's going to come here and tell us that you're having promotion. And, so you're selfish. What is How are you paying a God back? The psalmist says, what shall I render to the Lord for all that he has done for me? He says, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. How are you lifting your own cup of salvation? That's what I'm asking us tonight. He says here, comment. These are my own comments that I just put here. I, I, I just asterisk this. Let the word we have heard lead us to our destiny. We have been hearing word of God all the time. Through the people on Sunday and Wednesday, every time. The word of God that we hear every day must lead us to our destiny. The call, you know, sometimes God is calling, say God is calling our children. Look now, when I look at those children, when they are coming, and that's the saxophone, and the one with guitar, and they are coming and they are standing on that uh, altar, it gives me joy. I begin to see the future of this church, that we are going to have a lot of music, people that are musicians in the church. When we get there, when, I, when I'm going after long life and prosperity, amen. amen. These are part of the people that come and sing. And I'm singing, and I'm singing to glory. Hallelujah. And the trumpeters, angels are coming down to mix with them and they are singing. You understand? And we are leaving a vibrant church to go. Leaving our children in the not that they are, they are doing wrong, wrong things. So when I see us catching them young, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. By the time we know it, this church is going to be producing orchestras over 800, 1,000. And they'll be standing there. But initially when we tell people, you know, it takes a leader to receive revelation from God. When I received that revelation, it was difficult for some people. But you know that when you receive revelation, you don't let it go. You begin, you know, not because, because I didn't speak it from my heart. I speak it from the inspiration. Because God knew I have an assignment to raise my generation. And that is the assignment. So when people are even dragging it on, the children are tired. The children, well, even when they are tired, they want to go and play. So when the enemy was battling with me, I'm battling in the night. Hallelujah. Thank God for praying mothers. Thank God for praying, you know, I'm battling in the night. I'm talking to God. God, this is what you said. It shall come to pass. And when you begin to see God, because God to give it to you, He will see whether you will continue. This is the assignment. This is the, the role that God has placed me to play as the helper of the man of God. Protocols are there. It's an assignment. Because that is what I do in my, in my old job. 
I'm in the position to, to, to put people in position, dress good, look good, and everything. Today, when all our men are putting handkerchiefs, are you not happy? Are you not proud of your husband? Do you not look at them two times? And then nobody's dressing in jeans to come to church? You understand? We are getting there in Jesus' name. Because it's like a party for the Lord. So in your assignment, your assignment might, might not be even preaching. Look at the areas where God has placed you there and begin to do your assignment. God himself will credit it on your behalf in heaven. So this is the assignment. I wrote your comments. Jeremiah had excuses and felt in, incapable of handling God's call or assignment. Like some of us. Even you ask somebody, please, Osha, look after this. Ah. I'm not up to the task here. <laughs> I was joking. I feel like the one that God has called. Eh? May I not relieve my assignment for other people? You know, sometimes I don't want to preach here. I want to sit down so that people can be talking to me, but I want to preach so I can be blessed. Because the more you teach, the more your brain is open. I better tell you this secret. So when they give you opportunity, go and lead prayer. The more you pray, the more your brain is open. When they give you opportunity, come to prayer meeting. The more you come, the more grace that comes upon your life. Do you understand? But in the case of Jeremiah, even though he was raised in the, in, in, in the house of a priest and all the rest of that, he still has excuse, like some of us today. Apostle is leading us, he's doing a lot of things. We sit under that umbrella of excuse. I don't have Apostle, <laughs> that is a grace. Even myself, I said it. May the Lord help me. Scales have been removed from my eyes. I don't even say Apostle had the grace. I have the grace too. Maybe you have been pushing it and say some people have the grace. Because they walk in the area of their grace. That's why God is multiplying it upon their lives. But we see that, hey, Apostle, you have the grace. I don't think I can. <laughs> you know, sometimes, may the Lord help us with our mouths. And he said, not knowing that God who called him is faithful and he has already equipped him for the task before he was conceived in his mother's womb. Those of us that God is using in the church today, before you were conceived in your mother's womb, God had already prepared you for the, for the assignment that you are doing in various areas in the church. In Jeremiah's case, he was called to be a prophet to the nations as we are also appointed for various functions. May I not be lacking in the area of my calling. E.g., like many others in the Bible, to mention but a few, Samson had a call of God upon his line. When the angel met with Manoah, you can read the book of Judges, chapter 13, 3 to 5. David had a call of God upon his life before he was made king, was a shepherd boy. Hardly did he know that he can kill Goliath, amen. But God prepared him because of his profession and he was able to kill Goliath. John the Baptist, and that uh, 1 Samuel 16, 12 to 13, you can write it there. Because when you are talking about assignment, you want to uh, talk about people that fulfill their assignments in the scriptures. John the Baptist, Luke 1, 13 to 17. He had an assignment. You can see John the Baptist preaching the message of repentance all the time. All the time, making way for Jesus to come. It was prophesied before uh, it was conceived. And when he was to be born, it was prophesied again. The father thanked God for the prophecy, born in the house of a priest as well. Paul, who was also called specifically to the Gentiles. Galatians 1, 15 to 16, as I said to mention but a few. There are many others that 
their assignments are behind the scene. Not all of us will come and hold microphone like this. So don't envy people in their assignments. There are some people that have grace. When they mount poopy like this, and they start to blow this Bible, <laughs> some people are like, <laughs> no, don't be intimidated. The people's assignment is the assignment. That's why God put that grace upon them to, be, to do that job. And they are doing the job well. When people are acknowledging God and they are doing God's work in the area of assignment, don't jealous them. Don't envy them. Amen? It's the ordinary offering that they will call you, come and do offering. You cannot do it. If you want to do it, tell God and, and, call it, and enable me to do it. Not just because you want to be seen. Amen? Amen. If it's to preach, yes, you cannot preach. Let those that God, then you begin to have that only jealousy. Lord, I want to preach too. It's an assignment that has been, if I was conceived, the grace of God will come upon your life to do it. But when you begin to envy others, when they call, some, some people have the grace to do, to, 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 to speak, you understand? And if you don't have that grace, pray God, I want to speak for you. I want to do this, so the grace comes upon you. But if you start to envy people in the area of the assignment or calling, then you don't have nothing. May God grant us understanding. He said, there are many others that the assignments are behind the scene. Some people, they don't even need to see you at all. Maybe it's a possibility that is put forward to be seen all the time. Your own is to hold a small group in the church and you know how to turn this group around. God begins to bless you in that area of your assignment. You'll be producing more, producing more, and people will respect you in the area of your assignment. I remember when this church just started, I felt that my, my, the only work I can do is in the kitchen. I only cook. When you're having party, that's when you see me in the church. My bone is very strong. And that's when I'm doing all these things, you know, like, people come to my house, we are doing, and a great assignment is there for me, you know, understand, to preach the word. So, but when people, when people phone me and say, ah, apostle is in the office, somebody said to me one day, said, no, it's you that God said I should talk to. <laughs> are you listening to me? So let's not shy away from assignment, but stand in, in the midst of your assignment, I will see what God can do. Then he said, there are many others yet, like I said. The assignments are behind the scene. So I don't know the area. Identify your assignment. There are some people, if you call protocol now, there's somebody that's heading this protocol. But we don't see that person. But do you see the work of that protocol? You see all this protocol, they dread, they come out like this. You really thank God for their lives. But there is somebody that is behind the button that is doing this protocol. It's an assignment. So let's not be behind the scene. Yet they must function. You might not be seen, but God sees you. And he will reward you appropriately. God pronounced judgment on his people because of their, number one, wickedness in forsaking him. You can write it down because I'm just trying to give us uh, bullets on what we have studied. God pronounced judgment on his people because of, the, of their wickedness in forsaking him. Because of their burning incense to other gods. And worshipping what their hands have made. Look at that Jeremiah uh, 1.16. Talks about all this that I've just read to you. He encouraged Jeremiah to get himself ready. He says, stand up and say to them, I think to the Israelites, whatever he commanded him, he, instruct, he, uh, he instructed or said to him. He said, when Jeremiah was trying to be timid and everything, God encouraged him. Say, stand up. 
Maybe we are sitting down. Today, a lot, of, a lot of us are sitting down on our assignment. I speak to your life spiritually that you stand up today. In the name of Jesus. Look at the words of encouragement from God. He said, do stand up. Do not be terrified by them. Or I will terrify you before them. Today, I have made you a fortified city. Do you know words of encouragement? Paradigm people that are timid around you. Tell them, don't sit down. Stand up. God has called you to stand. To stand in gap. He said, today I've made you a fortified city. An iron pillar. Look at all the constructive words that are being used. Fortified city. You know, one of the commentaries I used to talk about construction. God is using the area of construction to be able to build uh, uh, Jeremiah up. He said, you are fortified city. An iron pillar. A bronze wall to stand against the whole land. Hallelujah. So there is no doubt that is coming from anywhere that wants to dis- distract uh, Jeremiah. He can never be distracted with all this word. He said, a bronze, uh, uh, bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, even the people that will come. Kings of Judah, they will come and distract you from this assignment. It's officials, it's priests, even priests, even officials, lawyers, and all the rest of that, they will come against you in this assignment and the people of the land. Another thing said, they will fight against you, but will not overcome you. What an encouragement. I want us to get this encouragement to us. In fulfilling the assignment of God, or the call of God upon our lives, people will come against us. All these things will come against us. But God said to Jeremiah that he has made him, what? A fortified city, an iron pillar. Let's use it to just see yourself in this picture. That you are a fortified city. You are an iron pillar. That nothing can stand against you. Say, I'm with you. But do you know that statement? If God is with you, no one can do what? That be against you. So I shot Jeremiah and said, I am with you. And we rescue you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 1, 16 to 19. The theme of the book of Jeremiah is God's coming judgment and for the people to repent. And I wrote here again the key scriptures of Jeremiah. I wrote about four scriptures down there. Jeremiah 7, 23 to 24. I'll read that so that I can say, continue, but I gave them this command, obey me. I want you to know in the midst of God's judgment, God is, has this constructive word for us. Like this world, is, as this world is going, God wants us to obey him said to Jeremiah, obey me, and I will be your God. And you will be my people. If you want to be God's people, God's own people, you must obey him. He says, walk in obedience. This is Jeremiah 7, 23 to 24. He says, walk in obedience to all I command you, that it may go well with you. 24. But they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubborn inclinations of their evil hearts. They went backwards and not forward. May we not backslide. Amen. So the key scripture of in Jeremiah, because we are looking at the introduction now, the key scriptures of Jeremiah is for us to obey him. And then he will be our God. And we'll be his people. And we must not backslide. And that key scripture there that you can bear in mind so that when we start to get to them, Jeremiah 8, 11 to 12 and verse 21. Jeremiah 9, 23-24 Jeremiah 31, 1-40 I wrote a prayer there 
Lord, guide and help me not to be ignorant in the area of my calling or assignment. I want you to write that prayer down for yourself and you pray it. Lord, help me not to be ignorant in the area of my calling or in my assignment. Help me to be productive. Help me to be faithful and fruitful in the area of my calling. In the area of our calling, we must be productive. Don't say I'm an intercessor. What are you doing to build up that intercessor uh, gap that God has given to you? What are you doing? Help me to be faithful in the area of my calling. And help me to be fruitful. And it shall come to pass on our life. The, chapter 2. It's a God's case against Israel. Jeremiah condemned Judah for its sins, since Israel forsake God. God reminded the Israelites through Jeremiah how committed and devoted they were to him from their youth. You know, this is how I started with us tonight. God will bring us back to basis and help us to see the picture of our lives. How when we got, when we got born again, when we gave our life to Christ, how we started pursuing God, doing the right thing in God and everything. So in this chapter 2, this is the, the uh, 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 foundation that God was laying and reminding the children of Israel through Jeremiah. How they have been committed. How their forefathers at a time now misled them. In that chapter 2, we soon get there. This relationship started when they accepted God's deliverance from Egypt's slavery. He reminded them how they loved him as a bride. Followed him through the wilderness. And their holy lifestyle. Despite their grumbling. But they were still living good life with God. But the grumbling was really distracting them from God. How they were set apart to God. If you read the book of Deuteronomy 20, chapter 24, 1 to 4, and Deuteronomy 26, 1 to 11, you can write it down, you can read it at home. He also wrote about the ancestors, how they misled them by straying so far from him. And what, how did they stray from him? I wrote some bullet points here, because these are part of the chapter 2. Said they followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. Chapter 2, verse 5. They did not remember the Lord who brought them out of Egypt, who led them through the barren wilderness, through a land of desert and ravens, a land where no one travels and no one lives. Chapter 2, verse 6. How did they stray from him? He brought them into a fertile land to eat its fruits and rich produce. But they defiled the land and made its inheritance detestable. Same chapter 2. The priests, those who deal with the law, the judges, the leaders rebelled. The prophets who are supposed to be of right standing before him prophesied by Baal. Following worthless idols, chapter 2, 8 to 9. You know, it's all this. For this reason, God will bring charges against the leaders and their children's children because they have exchanged God's glory to worthless idols. They have committed two sins. In that verse 13, number one, they have forsaken Him, the spring of living water, and dug their own broken cistern that cannot hold water. You know, reference in the book of John, chapter 4, 10 to 14, talks about Jesus, the living water. They ignore Jesus, the spring of living water, to worship idols. I quickly read 
All right. I think um, <clears throat> what was running through my mind is uh, two major things. Um, that Jeremiah 2 5 that me was speaking about, is it not interesting? It says, This is what the Lord says. What fault did your father find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless. That is something I would not want you to miss out. When people turn away from God, they can only become worthless. It is a very terrible thing. And to turn away from God is very, very easy. I will chip this in before mommy comes back. Look at Jeremiah 10. How do they turn away from God? Because they had their God, who is Yahweh. And if they do not have influence from other peers who worship other gods. There is no way that they would know of any God. So we can begin to think and understand that for Israel to leave their God and follow other gods, there is influence of man in the middle of it. Peer pressure, influence of man. And something that you must also recognize is this. These are people who know God well. So if anybody tells them, come and worship idols, they will say no. Which means that the influence of man must be very, very more deceitful. They tactically took them gradually away from God. And that is what you must be very careful of in this era. Satan had filled everywhere with very deceitful tactics beginning from, you know, primary schools to secondary schools, you know, to... You know, the, the neighborhood, um, all manners of institutions set up. Those institutions are set up. They do not want anybody to come there and mention the name of Jesus. And if you have an opportunity to be in a neighborhood or to be in an institution and anything is spoken that has to do with your God, you mo- if you do not mention Christ and firmly insist that this will not have been but Christ, or this is against the teachings of Jesus, or unscriptural. You have just been denying, you have denied God. And we look at Jeremiah 10, because Mama was still taking it now. Verse 1 says, Hear what the word the Lord says to you, O house of Israel. This is what the Lord says. Do not learn the ways of the nations, or be terrified by the signs of the sky, though the nations are terrified by them. For the customs of the people are worthless. They cut a tree out of the forest and craftsmen and the rest of them talked about it. But the key thing is that understand that Jeremiah, uh, God was saying Israel abandoned God and followed worthless idols. That is your chapter, chapter 2 5. I was just looking at. And worthless things make people worthless. So be careful about peer pressure, influence of the society and stuff. You must, believers must be firm about who Christ is and defend him anywhere and be ready to speak about him anywhere, especially when you have an opportunity to inform others about him. Make sure you open your mouth this thing. And if you are to be uh, influenced into other gods, make sure you don't. I was called into a meeting before. They say multi-faith. 
I will get it now. I'm a black leader in Leash in, in, in Greenwich, and I'm also a religious leader. So they now invited me for a multi-faith meeting, which they said that, oh, you know, it would be very great to have you there and all stuff like that. You know, they even gave me an office, like to come and head everything. I told them, in whose name will they pray there? And they said everybody will pray to their God. I said, okay, I cannot be party to that. I'm Alfred Williams, Apostle of the Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I cannot compromise my faith. If I go there and I pray, nobody prays. If you agree with that, oh, they said no, tolerance. I said, I don't tolerate it, tolerate the devil. I don't tolerate the devil. So you, you must be very careful because Satan, as he did, when you look at the people of Israel, you'll be wondering that why did they abandon God, really? But it's happening in our time. Satan never goes to those who know God sharply. He goes to them, he adjusts to them, he accepts what they are doing, and then he gives them all forms of deception that you two need to accept at least a little of me, and one little goes to the other before you know it, you are watching an idol. Mama. Praise the Lord. Sorry about that, you know you can't teach nature. I've been so pressed. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, uh, we are on uh, the how did they stray from God? And this we must also watch, like our father has been saying while I'm away. How did they stray from God? They followed worthless idols. And that is that was chapter 2, verse 5. I see Jeremiah condemned Judah for its sins. You know, we cannot continue to sin and expect grace to abound. What I want us to have this in our mind. What are the idols that we are following? Idols are in various forms. Your idol can be your home, can be your car, it can be anything. It can be your wife, can be your husband, can be your children. These are idols. It can be some things that we just, uh, we, we, we just accept without God. Esteem above God. That's why I said, this is what the Lord says. I remember the devotion of your youth. I want us to mark all this in that verse too. Why do we forsake God when we were devoted, even in our youth time? Your youth time, the time that you just got born again. How as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness. In our difficulties and everything, we are still following God. Is it not that God is giving us rest that we are having excuses? Through a land not sown, Israel was holy to the Lord. The first fruit of his harvest, that was the type of person that we are. All who devoured her were held guilty, and disaster overtook them. God was fighting our battle for us, but now we want to turn against God. Hear the word of the Lord, you descendant of Jacob, all you clans of Israel. Chapter 2, verse, three, uh, verse 5, this is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me? Now he's going back to basis, talking about their leaders and their forefathers. Why? What fault did they find in me that they strayed so far from me? So if we are not very careful. We will follow our, some leaders that are strayed from God. But we don't have such in this house. So let's be focused. We know we have television, we have all these things. And people are preaching rubbish there. Instead of us holding firm to our teaching in this house, we want to do what we are taught outside there. Because there is easy does it. And you, can, you think you can go away with it. Said they strayed so far from me. They followed worthless idol. 
number one. May we not follow worthless idol and become worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us up out of Egypt? Remember your Egypt experiences and begin to thank God and then bring yourself back to basis. They did not remember God and say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness. Look at your wilderness period, how God has saved you. Through a land of desert and ravens, a land of drought and other darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives. I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruits and rich produce, but you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. May that not be us in Jesus' name. He said the priest did not ask. Even the priests are following suits. Where is the Lord? Those who deal with the law, that is the lawyers, the judges, did not know, did not know me. The leaders rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal, following worthless idols, rebellion. When people start to follow idol of greed, sometimes they rebel. Idol of God, uh-uh, God is blessing the man of God, I can start my own church too. They rebel, they go into rebellion. Or you start to envy people, I, I, I can preach, why didn't they let me preach in this church? You can start your own cock and bull church. The next thing you see, you cannot preach anything. It's the grace of the, of the house that has come upon you. Amen. So let us, because he's referring to all these people that you can, ah, if uh, pastor this can do that, I can do that. If the king this can do that, I can do that. Don't follow people. Follow God. Amen. Amen. Therefore, I bring charges against you again, declares the Lord. And I will bring charges against your children's children. May the Lord help us. Sometimes we keep on sinning and a certain grace to abound, but he's going down the line. May that not be a portion in the name of Jesus. Cross over to the coast of Cyprus and look. Send a kedah and observe closely. See if there has ever been anything like this. Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet they, they, they are not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idol. I want us to underline that scripture and read it again and again. May we not exchange our own word, God that is, that, that, is, that is great for worthless idol. It's a glorious God. We must assign glory to him, assign power to him, you know, because he's God of all. Be appalled at this, you heavens. And shudder with great horror. My people have committed two sins. I want you to put uh, to underline that very scripture in that verse 13. They are forsaking me. May we not forsake God. Yeah. Number one, they are forsaking God. The spring of the living water. You know, and have dug their own system. You see, systems are form of small wells. You know, that in those days, they, 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 they built for rainwater to absorb. It's not so deep that you have to use pail. There is always water in it. He said, my people are forsaking me. They have dug their own way. They have gone after their own type way, way of life. He said, and have dug their own systems, broken systems that cannot hold water. Because you have decided to go after your own way, disobedient to parents and doing all sorts of things. So you are building your own system. Those systems can't hold water. But with Jesus' kind of system, you can hold water in it. Rain will fall, it will get water, you get enough water to drink. But if you build your own, it's cracking. Jesus' one doesn't crack. 
Amen. Is the river of living water and it will continue to flow in us in Jesus' name. Is Israel a servant, a slave by birth? Why then has it become plundered? Lions have roared. They have growled at him. They, uh, they have laid waste his land, his town, and burned and deserted. Also the men of Memphis and Tiffany's have cracked your skull. Have you not brought this on yourself? By forsaking the Lord your God. Look at the word again repeatedly. Forsaking, may we not forsake God. When he lay, led you in the way. Now, why go to Egypt? A lot of us are in Christ. He has delivered us from Egypt. But we still go back to Egypt. When you, when that is the world, the type of the world. When you backslide. Then this preaching is too much for me. This is too hard. I don't think I can. I can't. Ah. You mean I must not have two girlfriends? You mean I must not have... It's, difficult, it's becoming difficult for you. Then you are going back to Egypt. May that not be a portion. Mm-hmm. In that, the man of God that is even speaking, how does he control himself? You begin to run commentary. May the Lord help us. He said, God was saying, have you not brought this on yourselves? By forsaking the Lord your God, may we not forsake him, when he led you in its way? Now, why go to Egypt? To drink water from the Nile. You know water from the Nile, they are dirty water. Crocodile is there, black water. Different things are in the water in the Nile. But God is giving you that living water that is so pure. We will not go back to Egypt to drink water from the Nile again in Jesus' name. He said, and why go to Assyria to drink water from the Euphrates? Your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. Your wickedness and your backsliding. May we not be wicked and may we not backslide. Got to talk about all this from one scripture to the other, but I'm going to just point out uh, some that I've marked here in this scripture. It said, Long ago, you broke off your yoke and tore off your uh, uh, bonds. You said, I will not serve, I will not serve your, I will not s- serve you. Indeed, on every high hill, and under every spreading trees, you lay down as prostitution. You know, this is referring to the book of Genesis, I think 38, when Judah had to go and sleep with prostitutes. Go to that Genesis 28 and uh, read it. A child of God that has been in God, and little thing happened. Then he went and slept with prostitutes, going back to the world. I have planted you like a choice vine. Of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? Although you wash yourself with soap and use an abundance of cleansing powder, the stain of your guilt is still before me. The stain of your guilt is still before you. May the Lord help us so that we will not continue to live in sin and expecting grace. But God is so merciful. He still keep on warning the same Jeremiah to warn them and talking to them. How can you say I am I am not defiled? I have not ruined I have not run after the bowels. See how you have behaved in the valley. Consider what you have done. You are swift she camel running here and there. A confused person. 
He said, a wild donkey, accustomed to the desert, sniffing the wind in his craving, in her heart, in her heat, who can restrain her? Any male that pursue her need not tire themselves. At mating time, they will find her. Do not run until your feet are bare and your throat is dry. But you said, it is no use. I love foreign gods and I must go after them. May that not be your portion. As a thief is disgraced when he's caught, so the people of Israel are disgraced. They will not be under that. Disgrace in Jesus' name. They, their kings and their officials, their priests and their prophets, they say to wood, you have my father, and to stone, you gave me birth. This is idol worshipping. They, uh, they have uh, turned their back to me and not their faces. May we turn our face to God instead of our backs? Yet, when they are in trouble, they, they say, come and save us. We are then are the gods you made for yourselves. Let them come if they, are, if they can save you. When you are in trouble, if they can save you when you are in trouble. For you, Judah, have as many gods as you have, uh, as you have towns. Why do you bring changes against me? You, charges against me? You have all rebelled against me. In vain I punish your people. They did not respond to correction. Your sword has devoured your prophets like a raven lion. You of this generation consider the word of the Lord. I repeat again, you of this generation. I know they are talking about the generation of that, but I want to refer that God is also referring to this generation. In the midst of all this confusion, we must consider the word of the Lord. Have I, have I been a desert to Israel or a land of great darkness? Why do people say we are free to roam? We will come to you no more. Does a young woman forget her jewelry, a bride, her wedding ornaments? Yet my people have forgotten me. Days without numbers. May we not forget God Amen. in the name of Jesus. Liking, you know, like a lot of things that God uh, used women uh, to talk about in the scripture. A woman will not forget their jewelry. They will not forget their wedding gown. And all dressed. So was, the way those things are serious to us. So that is how we are precious to God Himself. In the midst of all our temptation, all our trouble, all our running elsewhere, skelter, God says He will not forget us. He says He has us in His palm. He neither sleep nor slumber because of us. How skilled you are in pursuing love. Even the worst of women can learn from your ways. On your clothes, uh, on your clothes is found the lifeblood of innocent poor, though you did not catch them breaking in. Yet, in spite of all this, you say, "I am innocent." He is not angry with you, hmm. but I will pass judgment on you. 
because you say I have not sinned. Why do you go about so much changing your ways? You will be disappointed by Egypt as you as you were by the Assyrians. And this brings us to the end of that chapter 2. You will also leave that place with your hands on your head. May that not be a portion. For the Lord has rejected those you trust. You will not be helped by them. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. When next we meet, we are going to look at the chapter 3 as well. Still continue to talk about uh, his people. The way God is going to deal with his people. And the punishment that is coming upon Israel because of their unfaithfulness. May we be faithful. But I see that God is saying to us through this book of Jeremiah that we have read, God wants us to be faithful. I see that called us is faithful. May we remain faithful and may we act God positively and not negatively. All the lifestyle that we have learned in the desert, all the way some of us, our ancestors, have misled us. Let us not be misled. We have someone in the house. We have a father in the house. You have myself. You have leaders in the house that are representing God well. Let us follow them and do the writing in God. May the Lord bless us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just to remind us again, the judgment of God is coming upon those that are disobedient. Let us live in God faithfully. And the Lord will bless us. (coughs) Amen. Yes, before we pray, you know, there's something, well, we just came from Nigeria. It was one of the greatest cons, uh, conference, African conference we have ever had for ministers, more than 300 churches and church leaders were represented. Uh, but if you look at what God is saying in, in Jeremiah 2, is it not amazing to us how much God loves us? Because if I was God, I would have abandoned his rest straight away. Oh, yes, I would. I'm telling you the truth. I haven't tried all his best. The more, the harder God tried, the more they rebelled against him. And God is supposed to have just forgotten them and probably change his mind and take another son and adopt them. But God continued to appeal to them. But there is something you must not forget to. God said he punished them severely. But yet they did not turn to him and then in chapter 31 it says you of this generation consider the word of God and that verse 31 is one of the verses that tells you and I any generation that reads it is applicable to them therefore if we look at all the relationship between God and Israel you will find out that it is what is happening in the church of God today my major confrontation in Nigeria, one of the, not one, a number of ministers came to me and said that, Apostle, where have you been? Where have you been? And one of them said that, we are looking for someone who will teach us, who will lead us to God. We found none. And they said, please come back quick. Come back quick. Because church today is a type of Israel as these scriptures where the truth have been totally perverted and many people go to churches do not really know Christ they hear of him but they don't know him so that they couldn't have intimate relationship with Jesus such that can invoke experiences with him 
and there are many locked up in hypes and all stuff like that. But you see, you and I have a duty. Having known the truth, number one, to hold it firm. You will receive insults, but at the same time, you will receive encounters with God. I will gather now. You may not have fast money, but the money you have will be without sorrow. Added to it. For prosperity, we will prosper. It is impossible for a righteous not to prosper. But when a righteous prospers, it's at peace because it is a prosperity that does not add sorrow. So we must make up our mind that it doesn't matter how many people disappoint God, we will stand by Him. We will serve Him. At least let God see us and be happy that I have some remnants who will not follow follow the hype. And the last scripture that I think I should mention, I thought one I mentioned, is this. Um, it's in uh, it's verse 14. Is Israel a servant, a slave by birth? Why then has he become plundered? On Sunday, I'm going to be speaking to you about God in you. When I, when I discussed that with them in Nigeria, there were tears in the eyes of many. You don't know who you are yet, fully. Because the one that lives in you is beyond comprehension. So we will dive deep into the God in us on Sunday. But this scripture tells me that God said, Is Israel a servant or a slave? But why have they become plundered? Anybody who is a child of God should not be plundered. Galatians 5.1 It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. No longer to be subject to your slavery. So once you are born again, you are not supposed to be plundered. So what can make a child of God be plundered? It is when you compromise the faith. Turn away from God and a little acceptance here. Let me compromise here. It shouldn't be so hard. Christians should not be so hard. Who told you that? Christians will be very hard because hell is hard. When people go to hell, it is terrible, most terrible. We must draw the line to government of nations, to parasitas of nations, that this is the line the Bible says. It cannot be argued. We can do other things together, but when it comes to something that will offend my God, as written in the Bible, I will die over it. Even if you're going to cut my head off, I will still believe in it. And I will proclaim it. Even if you don't want to hear that. And I want to say to you that the Christianity in the United Kingdom is going to go harder and harder like that. We are just uh, at the brim of um, what God told us will be happening. You remember when the Lord told us last year, all what is happening now in Britain is what God had told us January last year. I was in Lagos when I heard on television that a group of Liberal Party members are planning to separate and form their own party. But I told you January 1, last year, that I saw division in both Labour Party and Conservative Party. And the two divisions came together to form a team. But they didn't have, they didn't have a head. <laughs> so we are seeing it happening, but I can guarantee you, when that group will come together and form another party, the problem will be who will be the head of that party. As God has said, I will need to pray for our Prime Minister Theresa May, though we know that it is the hand of prophetic of God that is shaping our country now. 
Because a nation that denied the God of their father, God allowed them to suffer. And it's a pity that God cannot stop the suffering. They have to suffer. Because it is God's uh, jurisprudence. That is God's, you know, it's spoken in the air. They love the spirit. Unless if from the head, maybe we hear a prime minister say publicly, our nation have sinned. If Theresa May say that, a miracle will happen. If she can say publicly, we have forgotten the God of our Father, we have legislated laws against God, and we are now suffering. We are about to enter into a, an ocean of disaster. Either they accept or not. But the elect of God will bask in God's prosperity during it. I told you from 2007 that I saw Britain carry plates and they were begging for bread from nation to nation. And at that time, we were celebrating abundance in England. I remember someone from Oxford, one of the professors said to me that, <laughs> Apostle, this country has been so, so developed. I said, what happened in Africa, that Africa became debtor. And God told me that now you are forgiven debts. In a short while, you also will beg for food. And you become a debtor, and then somebody will forgive your debt after some years. So we're about to enter into it, but let me say something to you. No wonder we are treating Jeremiah. When there is chaos in the world, all right, there is complete peace in the church. When there's lack of direction in the world, angels will give you another direction. Hallelujah. And you are going to see a lot of manifestations of angels in this very time. So let's stand up together.